we calculate the number and do the factors and I'll come back and tell you that we sampled for the day. So you're literally counting them. <laughs> yeah, very weird hobby. <laughs> Welcome back to the Algae Partners Podcast. My name is Chalka and I'll be your host today as we talk about pollens, everybody's favorite season. I'm going to welcome Dr. Frederick Likely, MD, MPH from our Columbus, Indiana offices at Allergy Partners. Dr. Likely is also a professor of clinical pediatrics at Indiana University School of Medicine. He graduated from Cleveland State University and did his residency and fellowship at Duke University. He's been published multiple times and has received numerous awards and recognitions. He's a member of the Clinical Excellence Committee and the chair of the CME Subcommittee at Allergy Partners. He was a major contributor to the Advanced Provider Education Program, which I truly appreciate. And for whatever reason, he continues pollen counting. He's recently created a 20-year comparison of pollen counts in central Indiana from 1999 to 2019. Welcome, Dr. Likely. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you about this since you've been kind of monitoring this closely as a hobby for the last 10 years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with the basics. What is pollen? Pollen is uh, a reproductive part of the plant and they tend to be uh, commonplace in the plant world. Uh, Bees take care of the larger flowery pollens and plants to help propagate the species. And uh, the pollens that we're gonna be concerned about are usually the reproductive, the male part of the plant. And these are plants that really don't attract bees. They're they're more wind-borne. So they're kind of ugly plants, Uh, the grasses, weeds for sure and a lot of our trees don't don't flower like cherry trees would or dogwood trees would or crab apples would uh, they depend on windborne uh, distribution of their pollens to help more trees grow for the next generation and it's those tiny little things that uh, create the world of allergy so out of all of that, what actual pollens account for our allergies that most of us suffer with? Well, pollens are gonna be those of the trees, the weeds of the weeds and the grass pollens. Again, everything that tends to be a windborne uh, distribution. So uh, those are the, the major categories of pollen. And so what is the pollen count? Like now we have all these apps that tell us what the counts are, but what does it actually mean? Pollen, uh, an actual pollen count is you going out there and collecting this pollen and, and looking at it and counting how many are there and then trying to figure out, is, was that the amount for the day or for the hour and then what volume of air that it's working with. So when you have a pollen count, uh, the way I do it, I've got the pollen counter in my backyard. So at seven o'clock every evening, I'll take the pollen rods down, replace them with new ones, put them under the a sl- put them on a slide and stain the slide so the pollens have a different color to them. I wait for that stain to adhere to the pollen. And then under the microscope, I start looking at their shapes and sizes and begin the counts of how many are there. So I get a count. 
and then I'll do a little bit of a mathematical formula because I'm catching pollens on a small rod and that rod spins one spends every 10 minutes for a whole minute okay and we know the column of air that those things are spinning in so we calculate the number and do the factors and i'll come back and tell you we had 98 maple pollen grains per cubic meter of air that we sampled for the day okay so you're literally counting them <laughs> Yeah, what a pain. What a weird wow. hobby. Very weird hobby. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear all oh, pollen counts. You don't actually see somebody in the background, like actually sitting there counting with microscopes and slides and all that stuff. So what's yeah. the difference between well, the count and the forecast then? Well, most of the time when you when you get these things on the Weather Channel, Weatherbug, uh, pollen.com, or even in the newspaper, with some exceptions, uh, it's not, you go back and say, well, where's your pollen counting station in your in the city that you're reporting? Well, they don't have one. So there are, you can do, mathematics really helps you make predictions. So if you know the temperature changes for the day, and you know whether there's going to be wind, or whether there's going to be humidity, or possibly even sunlight, you put all those factors into a mathematical formula, and that formula could predict what a pollen count may be. Uh, in mathematics statistics, they would call it a logistic regression. So uh, when you have a lot of data and the, the, the mathematics and the statistics help you look for relationships to that data, so then you could put things back in the formula like temperature, you know, sunlight and all that stuff and come up with a prediction of what the count is. And, one of my projects, uh, I keep track of what's in the newspaper and I keep track of what's on pollen.com for our community. And I just have to figure a way uh, how to assess a hit or a miss. Right. How many times was, was that they hit where I was right on with them? And that would be in terms of number of pollens and also in terms of the type of pollens that are out there. So a forecast is a formula, I guess, like the weather would be. And there are a number of sites across the country that actually do a real pollen count. And unfortunately, my count that I posted, it's yesterday's count. It's not a thing. It's not, I'm not telling you what you're breathing right now. I'm telling you what you may have breathed yesterday. So what, what would be the benefits of knowing the pollen counts? Well, there's a lot. Uh, as in, you know, when I came to this community, it was a way of understanding, well, what's out there? You know, and what's out there helps me decide what do I need to test for? What are the relevant pollens that affect the population that live in, lived in this area? So, you know, the types of species that are out there, uh, we get a great handle on, on timing. You know, when will grass start? When will ragweed start? Uh, some of our therapies for grass pollen allergy are tablets. And they're supposed to be started so many months before the season starts. So if, when you know the season's going to start right around this time, and that's notoriously the case, then you can plan your therapeutics around it. It also creates the menu that people are sensitive to relevant pollens. If you're going to put them on allergy shots, it's uh, 
you know, they have, they should be sensitive to the things that are in their environment. What can affect pollen counts? A lot of things. How good your eyes are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how tired you are when you look at the microscope. It's <laughs> often you're looking at a binocular microscope. If you fall asleep, you know, you really can poke your eyes out. <laughs> oh my gosh. But a number of things. Um, clearly the weather. I mean, if you look back at the predictions, what goes into the formula? So uh, a very sunny day, a very dry day, a very windy day helps with the dispersion of a lot of pollens. Uh, even, you know, the thought is with rainy days, that rain will wash everything out of the, out of the atmosphere. But there are some, sometimes when we had great rains, I've still seen some, some very strong pollens fighting through that rain to find their way onto the pollen rods. And then if you get into the world of mold, which is also an outdoor allergen, there are some molds that with, with the dry air, the dry times, they tend to propagate. And there are other molds that tend to be stimulated by the moisture. When the moisture hits the, the mold plant, it actually releases its, its mold spores. So you got a lot of variations that could affect what a count would be in any one moment. Plus, what's what's close by to your pollen counter? You know, right. uh, there are some pollen counters that are right next to a birch tree, and when a birch tree is doing its thing, guess what kind of pollen you're going to see in great proportion? Okay. Guys, if you saw what I'm looking at, but we're zooming right now. You guys can only just hear us. But Dr. Likely looks the way that I look at cake. He's so excited about talking about this. Cake? <laughs> Any type of food. I'm a foodie. I get excited. <laughs> um, so what got you interested in pollen counting? Well, thank you for asking that. <laughs> uh, when I was... Because uh, honestly, you don't, you don't sound busy enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> When I got out of my fellowship, I went up to Detroit, Michigan to be part of the Henry Ford Hospital System. And uh, we were part of an allergy training program. So we, we were approached by a pharmaceutical that wanted to do a comparison of antihistamine usage. And I said, well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna look at, does this work, work as well as that one? You may wanna make sure you've got pollens out there that are affecting people because if it doesn't work, it may be because there's no pollen. So I kind of talked my way into having this person help us put together pollen counting. So that the first rotor rod was purchased back in like 1986, 1987. And so again, in my backyard, I was counting ragweed because we wanted to see if antihistamine A work just as well as antihistamine B in a, in a ragweed pollen season. So that's what got us started. And that wound up to be a, an abstract at the Quad AI meeting and also a, a real short publication as well. So that, that's, that's amazing. The, that's the intriguing thing that got me started with it. So when I first got into allergy, um, my attending at the time was like, you'll start noticing everybody coming in around August 20th and they'll all have issues. And so I would hear him say, oh yes, August 20th, this is ragweed season. You can set your calendars by it. And even now, like eight years later, I still, I still remember him saying that. And I still see all my patients come in that exact same week. And they're like, I don't know what's happening. 
I thought fall season was over. Well, and if you're doing pollen counts and you have a reliable source, you can look back and say, yeah, that's what we've got going on. Uh, and, and just as an aside to that observation, August 15th in the area I trained was, was pollen day when it started. But with all this global warming effect, I have been seeing ragweed pollen in July. Yeah. So it all depends on what kind of, and, and weirdly enough, it's not the current season so much that may have a prediction as to when it starts. It was last year's rainy season. So if you had a lot of rain last year, it might have a, in a different pattern of it. It may have the impact on what you're going to see this year for, for pollen. Uh, you know, things are changing with, with pollen. Uh, I'm, at least in my observations, we're seeing it occur a lot earlier. We used to think that weeds only were a late summer phenomenon, but I'm already seeing the weed stinging nettle and plantain on the pollen counter in May. Wow. Okay. And now that weed pollen will go from, from May until two killing frosts. And, uh, and grass tends to usually pick up in June, but I'm seeing it late April, early May, and then it ends around July. And I'm also seeing a resurgence at the end of September going into October. So the rules and the things that we were trained, I think, are up for some revision based on real pollen counts. <laughs> right, right. And it's hard for us as well because patients come and they're like, what's happening right now? Like, what can I do right now? And when is this going to end? And honestly, we don't know because things are changing so much with just global warming and the environment and just yeah. everything, right? And um, on top of that, now with COVID happening, people are wearing masks. And for the first time last year, nobody really went out, right? Now people are starting to go out a little bit more. The new mandates say you don't have to wear a mask when you're outside. So it's, it's funny to me, I mean, I do it too. Every year people come back surprised that they're having symptoms, like they forget they have allergies. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's weird too that uh, every year is usually worse than the year before. Yeah. Right? With, with symptoms, because just as you said, they don't remember what they, what they were. Uh, and oftentimes the, the thermostats get reset. They're used to a, maybe a quiescent year or a, and that's why they think sometimes their medicines aren't working because they're used to a certain level of symptom, symptomatology. And then when you're going through a, what I've heard once upon a time, a pollen tsunami, then, right. then you're going to need a little bit more support to get through that. So it's, it's very interesting stuff. So what advantages do you think you have being a pollen counter? Is that the title that you use? I don't even know. Um, and being an allergist in the world of allergy, like, do you think you, what advantages do you think you have um, oh. that like, I might not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Do I need to start counting pollen in my free time? That's what I'm trying to do with you. Recruit <laughs> <laughs> you as a pollen counter. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, what the advantages are, because you, you're sort of, keeping tabs on what's going on in the community. I mean, allergy is all about environmental exposures. And like you say, your patients are calling and coming in and you know what's going on. And I, I could say, well, it's not ragweed just yet, but it's it's the end of the grass season that's bothering you. It's, you know, you probably get, I don't know, your area, the, the little fluff falls that occur in June, 
the cottonwood seed that's out there. Yes. And they're coming in saying, well, I'm allergic to cottonwood because look at all those things out there in the air. And I said, well, you know, if you're allergic to that, they would be up your nose and we'd be pulling out these little fluff balls. But it's the thing you don't see, which is the grass pollen. That's the, so it, it educates and it, it directs you and it gives you, you know, I mean, if you're a little bit of a scientist, it gives you a real reason as to what's happening, you know, in your environment that could be bothering you. And I think patients appreciate that rather yeah. than the guesses. You know, well, I think right. this is allergy here. Take this and take this, but you know, you're 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 kind of uh, that's your your specialty. That's what you you talk about. That's what we put up people on allergy shots for these pollen things. So I always felt. I, I can get a handle on this. I really got to know my pollens and I really have to be enthusiastic about it and so that it's a very energizing thing for me anyway. And I can use it to properly help my patients. And, and they, they look at it. They, uh, we've had one lady who was, uh, she got ill when she was visiting her daughter in New Mexico. And I happened to call one of the allergy partner uh, colleagues that was in that area and he says yeah we're going crazy with cedar and I, she came back and i said we you never tested positive to cedar but sure enough we did the test she was now allergic to cedar pollen and all that cedar we were beginning to see the same thing for a prolonged period of time so it's really nice when you could put the story together yeah and make that diagnosis for somebody yeah well i learned a lot just in this podcast <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I'm ready to go count pollen <laughs> per se, <laughs> but I may Google a little bit more about what things look like. <laughs> There's a, there is a, a National Allergy Bureau, NAB, that um, well as sanctifies pollen counters. I, I'm a member of the NAB. Uh, this is where you take a you know written examination and a video examination, and there's a renewal of that. So if you're looking at pollen counts and you want to say, well, is that a forecast or is that a real bona fide pollen counter? If NAB is part of the project, you know, you know that's a, you know, verified. And uh, there's another group out of New Jersey, Dr. Delori uh, has uh, something what he calls the pollen underground. It's a mm -hmm. lot of pollen counters who may not have been affiliated with the NAB, but, it, but do it. And if you look at the map that they, they contribute to you'll see these stations all over the country and what their, their active pollen counts are so you've got some real pollen counts from the nab people and you've got some real pollen counts from the uh, the closet pollen counters right <laughs> <laughs> and then you got your forecasts that's amazing well i learned a lot of new stuff that i never even really thought about and I hope you guys did too. Thank you so much, Dr. Legley. Remember that our family is here to take care of yours.